Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 61 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. It's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. My name is Dean Millard. We have a really fun show, uh, an entertaining and a a musical show lined up for you. I'm going to get into all of that in a second, but before we do, we got to find out what's your groove. That in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? I'm gonna grab you by the boo boo, don't it? Pipe and a grape, long and a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. Can you dig it? So when I say what's your groove, what I mean is while you're listening to this, if you're grooving with any cannabis, let me know what it is. Maybe you've got a uh, a joint, uh, maybe, I don't know, you've got a bong going, or maybe you're just chilling with uh, some nice CBD. Pipe and a crepe, bong and a blintz. Who knows, maybe that's what you're going with. I'm not really sure, but if you are, Hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis 101 or Cannabis 101 Podcast uh, on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email me if uh, you uh, are don't want to be public about your cannabis use for whatever reason. That is totally fine. You can email me cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com and you can be anonymous and still participate in all the fun stuff that we do in the show, including winning some prizes. So as for my groove. I am going with some uh, Tantalus Labs Blue Dream and also not just that, but some Dry Sift Blue Dream Hash also from Tantalus Lab as a topper in this joint. And I'm putting it in a uh, Herbal Goods wrap. So by the way, you can win Herbal Goods, a five pack your own just for being a subscriber at Cannabis101podcast.ca. Uh, but this is uh, this is great. My wife's birthday is in August. She got 20% off at Fire and Flower. She bought me a half ounce of Blue Dream. She knows I love it. What a wonderful woman. And she picked up uh, some uh, live cream, uh, some of the live relief uh, CBD cream that she uses uh, quite a bit. So I'm going with Blue Dream Tantalus Labs, a little hash topper in a herbal goods wrap. So please allow me to let my let me get my groove on. This is going to be really fun. Uh, these Herbal, Good ra- Herbal Goods wraps are so awesome. Uh, picked up a five of them uh, when I was at Fire and Flower, but you could win some. Thanks to my good friend, Malcolm LaBelle from Green Generation Co. and the business of cannabis. All right, so here is what's coming down the hash pipe on today's show. We're going to speak with the uh, musical group Fresh Breath, husband and wife team Katie and Josh Pascoe about how cannabis 
uh, helps them, uh, whether it's uh, musically or beyond. So we're going to have a lot of fun. You'll actually hear some pretty cool music as well, uh, including an interesting story behind the name and cannabis. David Wiley from the OZ will be by for this week in cannabis news. Uh, the uh, the order ahead menu Dutchy uh, company man they have uh, raised a whole lot of capital and they've done it with some celebrities chipping in. Uh, one of them you would expect. One of them maybe not. Interesting story coming up. Also some reports out there uh, by some. Uh, uh, a couple of universities shattering some of the myths about cannabis use. Um, and this is something that we all need to do. Plus, I think uh, a story that missed the boat on the headline and should have been about the legal market making gains on the illicit market. So we'll get into all that with David Wiley in a little bit. Chris Ionson, my good friend, and our educator from Nova Cannabis, Jasper Avenue, he comes on with What's That Strain every week. Tutti Fruity from Collab Project. Some really nice pre-rolls. And man, they give you a nice boost. And Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. for the business of cannabis. Lab shopping when it comes to LPs will be on the docket. Also, we're going to discuss topicals and how cannabis is like salad. One of the best analogies I've ever heard when it comes to all the different components of cannabis as for our cannabis question it is about your newest accessory and we'll tell you shortly about how you can get in on the weed weekly and our giveaway every friday let's get going with the cannabis question it's prize time Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a crepe, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. This week, the cannabis question is, what is the newest accessory that you have? Last week, we asked about your favorite, and I wanted pictures. I want pictures again. I don't care if your newest cannabis accessory was 10 years ago. Take a picture of it. Send it to me on Twitter at the Cannabis 101 the Cannabis 101 Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email us, Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. What is the newest accessory that you have? I picked up the Utilion 5 wax pen. This vaporizer is awesome. It, uh, it's it got a couple of different coils. Um, you just put your uh, whatever you're dabbing with uh, on there, on the coils inside, a couple of, just one button, a bunch of different clicks. It is really awesome. And there's a really cool feature that I'm not going to tell you about right now, but you will see a video soon where I discuss this cool feature that I don't think a lot of people know about. So that's my latest uh, cannabis uh, accessory. Uh, well, I guess the uh, the Herbal Goods wraps that I bought uh, tonight as well uh, or earlier today. So that's what I'm going with, the Utilion 5 and the, the Herbal Goods wrap. We'll have a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack for you. I've got some goodies that I've been collecting uh, from some of the great cannabis companies that you'll love to get. 
just for answering and chiming in. You could be the winner, but you got to send me a picture, whether it's email or on social media as well. As for what pairs well with cannabis, uh, storm watching. And that's what I was doing earlier. Man, there was a rumbling thunderstorm that rolled through just outside of Edmonton. And um, I love it. I We used to live in this, this uh, apartment uh, in the uh, basement suite, uh, sort of, of this uh, apartment building. And we had this massive window. It was almost like having a walkout. I love that. Uh, just get high, lie on the couch, watch the uh, thunder and lightning. Uh, but the storm's gone now, so I don't know what I'm going to watch. And, you know, uh, rightfully so, a bunch of sporting events were canceled tonight uh, over the uh, protests uh, because of what is happening continually in the United States. So I have to figure out something, maybe just the uh, the beautiful sunset that is always out there. So I, I'm going with storm watching, though. Um, it's always amazing, if you, as long as you're safe, to be able to watch the thunder and lightning and listen to it. And um, I don't know, cannabis makes it all. A whole lot better. All right, I've mentioned the Weed Weekly a couple of times. This is where you can get the latest on what is happening with the Cannabis 101 podcast. You just subscribe to the Weed Weekly at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. If you sign up, you're in the mix for the weekly prize pack. Herbal Goods Wrap this week, uh, thanks to our good friend Malcolm LaBelle, but only for subscribers. Plus, it's a great way to keep up to date with the Cannabis 101 podcast. We're going to talk music after this and how cannabis can uh, help in the creative process of writing with the husband and wife band Fresh Breath. Maybe they'll love this song uh, by the artist My Dead Dog. As we lead into the interview, this is the weed song from the artist My Dead Dog. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Really glad to uh, explore the uh, more of the uh, the entertainment side of cannabis and and kind of what cannabis can. Um, help out with different things. Uh, we're diving into the music side of things. I have uh, Katie and Josh Pasco of Fresh Breath uh, joining me uh, on the program. Um, and uh, Katie, Josh, thanks so much uh, for joining us, uh, joining me on the program. I guess let's just get some kind of background on Fresh Breath, um, you know, how you guys met and uh, how you guys formed your band. Sure. Uh, yeah, we, we met, Katie was just getting out of high school. I was like one year out of high school. We both, uh, went to the same high school, but we never really ran the same crowds, but we met through a uh, mutual friend and we had both been learning guitar at that time. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, like we kept showing up to the same parties and, but we were the only two people there with guitars and we were both writing our own songs. And, uh, so we were immediately drawn to each other that way. And, uh, yeah, we just started writing music right away and it started clicking and we just started both making the, uh, 
the gains that way, like together. So we just like, we got really tight that way. Um, yeah. And then I don't know what, how long has it been since like 16 years, 16 and a half years we've been together as a band and, uh, we've been married for 10 now. So yeah, that is awesome. What, uh, what developed first, Josh, the relationship or, uh, kind of the band chemistry? It was the music first. We were writing songs together and we'd find ourselves hanging out together. Just the two of us after the parties were done, we'd stay up and keep writing music or we'd, uh, make, it wasn't dates. We'd make plans to get together and go out into uh, the back 40 acres at the farm she lived on and sit in the bush and smoke a couple joints and write some music. And, uh, so we were just writing a lot together first and then also we fell in love. So that is a a great story. So what, (laughs) what uh, genre of music would you say fresh breath uh, fits in Josh? Uh, We don't really handcuff ourselves with one genre. So like when we, try to explain it to people i think the easiest way to explain it is kind of like an alt country with like heavily rooted in roots and like uh like blues kind of so like but again we just kind of write what we're feeling so we don't try and handcuff ourselves our like like our sound generally comes across as like a country type sound but we don't have twangy voices and we don't have the twang guitar but it's kind of like that newer uh it's kind of rock country so it's like it doesn't fall into one genre very easily which uh is good and it's bad because it's good for listeners but uh but it's uh it's just tough to explain to people sometimes so <laughs> mm-hmm. well it's uh, the, the broader your music is the the more listeners uh you can you can bring in in that uh and they can enjoy your type of music how long has cannabis been a part of your lives well you heard how early katie started a while back in the uh in the one hitter section mm-hmm. but uh i wasn't quite that early to the game i uh was about 18 years old when i when i started uh experimenting i guess and it was when i was going out and i had just started playing guitar at the same time and it was like uh it was all kind of coming together at once so since i was been about 18 so pretty much half my life third up turning 37 and then a week here so nice now um for a long time we you know we've only had legalization for two years um, and for probably a long time, you actually couldn't tell um, most people the story of how you came up with the band's name. But we have a legalization and there's a cannabis connection. So you can, can you tell us how you came up with Fresh Breath? Uh, yeah, actually, we can. Finally, it's funny. We, uh, we have the PG version and we have the radio friendly version of it of uh, fresh breath always being good. We are looking for something that's always good. Nobody can say it's bad. And we're like, that works on the level where it makes sense enough that the, like the premise is there. So nobody questions where it came from, but actually we were in uh, my parents' garage (laughs) having a jam and we were discussing new band names because uh, originally we were going to call ourselves action Jackson 
and we like made this pact and we signed this letter and we we're just like, we stuck it in one of the, our old guitars. And we're like, that's the band name. And then we realized that there's going to be some copyright law infringement with that. Like, cause there's a movie called action Jackson. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing eighties entertainment. But uh, anyway, so then we were sitting there smoking a joint and I had just blown out a big hoot of weed. And I was like, Oh, that's fresh breath right there. And uh, Katie's like, that's the band name. It's fresh breath. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So like uh, our band name came about from just a big smoke cloud. <laughs> Katie, how great is it to be able to tell that story, uh, you know, truthfully, <laughs> now that we have legalization? And what do you remember about that moment? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so funny. We've we've been dancing around it, like not really. But I mean, there's obviously place like a time and a place for it. Right. But um, yeah, it's just funny. I don't know how long has it been at least at least 10 years since we've been, you know, trying to tell the story of Fresh Breath and figure yeah, out. <laughs> as soon as we started playing professionally and like out and actually doing interviews and trying to like build our brand and uh, people are always like, Fresh Breath, like what? Like where? How? Right. And we're just <laughs> like, oh, and so like, yeah, we've been given the PG version a lot, but the, the inner circle, the people that have been around for a long time, uh, friends and fans that have known us since the beginning, every time they hear an interview and hear us tell the it's not a lie because we like that version of it too. Like it makes sense and it's, it's a good way to put it, but it's not the truth exactly. And so, yeah, the people that know they get a, they get a kick out of us trying to like fumble around where it actually came from. So it's funny. That's awesome. Uh, Katie, how do you use cannabis uh, when it comes to the creative process of, you know, kind of coming up with an idea or, or the writing process? Certainly, uh, you know, when I'm doing a lot of late night editing or different things, I'm, I, I use cannabis cause it uh, really creates my, uh, or stimulates my creativity. How does it work with the, the idea and writing process in music? Yeah. I mean, similar probably to how it works for you. Like it's, it definitely helps to, you know, get the juices flowing with writing a song or coming up with an idea, or even if you're like stuck a little bit with something or like, um, you know, need to take a break from working on arrangements or something. It just helps, especially like um, certain things when you're recording in the studio, it all just kind of helps to push you through a little bit of a block, right? Anyways, it does for me. Sometimes for Josh, he, it does the opposite. So it depends on, on what and when and where I feel like every time it's like um, situational, right? But um, for me Mm -hmm. specifically, it always, always helps me. So if I'm, you know, deciding to sit down and write a song or come up with a melody, I'm probably smoking a joint while I'm doing it, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> not all the time, but most of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, so I, I this, this sometimes doesn't make sense to people, but uh, I find cannabis allows me to think without trying. Uh, you know, sometimes... I'll be trying to think of an idea. And like you said, I'll take a break. I'll go smoke something, start thinking about something else. And an idea for what I was trying to think of pops into. So it, it kind of, I, I find it opens up doors that maybe you wouldn't open up normally in, in, in right. kind of the creativity process. If, if that makes any sense. Definitely makes sense. I mean, it, it kind of, it's a, in a way it's like when you have a couple of drinks and you kind of get more confidence or, you know, or you lose some of your ego or your, 
you know, stop mm-hmm. thinking so much about something and you kind of just let go and do it. I think that's kind of the same idea with cannabis or, um, you know, smoking or, or eating weed or whatever you're doing. It definitely just kind of mm-hmm. relaxes you. It get, gets you out of your head. Right. So it, it yeah, it's so helpful for, for creating anything. I feel like when you're creating music or art of any kind. How about, uh, is, is cannabis something that, uh, you know, would play into your routine before, during, after a live show? And there, you know, there are some musicians out there that, uh, you know, can, can highly function. And there's, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they don't want to be doing complex things when it comes to cannabis. How does cannabis play into the, the live performance aspect of your, uh, of your use? Yeah. So for me personally, I as much as I do love to smoke and I, I do smoke a lot, I don't usually smoke when we're playing live shows. Um, mostly because yes, like you said, it's sometimes a little bit too much. Um, there's also a social aspect to playing live shows. Well, there used to be when you would go out to a bar or a club. Um, and (laughs) you know, even though I am a smoker and I do, you know, experience it a lot and I'm not, scared or you know it's not too much sometimes it's sometimes it's just you know not the right time and and I feel like I we try to have a professional front when you know we're playing shows I don't want to run into somebody and then you know have a conversation with them while maybe I'm a little bit too stoned or something and so I just don't put myself Mm -hmm. in that position and Josh doesn't either so that's also a reason why we both kind of keep a level head that way um And then after the show, you know, I'll definitely unwind and have a pint and smoke a joint and, you know, relax. But um, up to a show, during a show, um, not for me. And Josh kind of agrees. So we we usually just leave it out of our performances. Um, But rehearsals (laughs) are fair game. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, we're in our our house rehearsing and just relax. so, So that's definitely somewhere where we would engage or indulge a little bit yeah for the creative side of it it's great and then for the live performance especially if you're playing professionally it's just uh it's a line you Mm -hmm. can draw on the sand but uh yeah i i don't know we've we've obviously got some some stories of when things didn't exactly go that way and or you're you're somewhere and things just kind of happen so you just got to deal with it but it's not it's not always the case yeah (laughs) but most of the time we are are waiting until after the show or whatever yeah uh okay so you guys uh uh, wrote a song take a ride uh we're gonna listen to a little bit of it and then uh, you can tell us a little bit about the uh, connection uh to uh to cannabis So tell us a little bit about uh, Take a Ride and uh, kind of, you know, how maybe uh, it was, in, was it inspired by cannabis? Is it about cannabis? Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So this was a song we wrote uh, quite a while ago. It was one of our first songs um, that we wrote. Um, yeah. So it was 2010 and it was on our, our first like full album that we produced and actually put on iTunes. 
Um, the album was called Speed of Sound, and that song is called Take a Ride. And there's this really silly video that we did with it at the time. Um, we were we were young. We at the we wanted to quit our jobs. We wanted to buy an RV, and we wanted to drive to California and just see what happened. Nice. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we never got to do that. We were trying to sell our house at the time, and we thought, okay, well, at first, if our house sells, that's what we're gonna do. And we we were gung ho. Like we had just gotten married. And we registered for all like RV sized things <laughs> because that's what we thought we were going to do. And everyone was like, what are you doing? What's happening? And we had written this song and it was all about like, come take a ride with me, get high with me, um, that kind of thing. And very carefree and just like, you know, we didn't really we didn't really care at the time. It was like we were fresh breath. We had just named our band probably and we we're <laughs> writing about smoking joints and stuff. So we were kind of like, ah, whatever let's put this fun little song out about um, smoking weed. And we did this video with uh, Patrick Lobson, who's passed away, but he was uh, uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time. And uh, he also loved to smoke and had so much fun with us shooting this video. And we, we shot the video at our, at our house and he had a big green screen behind um, his uh, checker cab that you'll see in the video. If you check it out that uh, we're in and, we, we got so stoned that day with him shooting the video that we were supposed to be driving around on, like, on the road and doing shots <laughs> on the road. And we, we couldn't even leave the, the farm. So we had, gr- <laughs> we had to green screen everything because we like by the time that we got to the shots with like the driving parts. Yeah, there, we, we shouldn't have been driving at that point. So, so um, the, it's kind of funny. So the song's not like all about weed, but the, the video reminds me so much of weed because that day we were smoking with, with Patrick, who was the uh, producer of the music video. And uh, yeah, it just brings back some good memories for that, for sure. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was our debut yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, it, it reminds me of that song, uh, I think by Afro Man, where you know, I was supposed to clean my room, but then I got high. You guys were supposed to make a video, but then you got high. <laughs> yeah, but we still made the video. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Josh, is, uh, you know, what's, what's the popularity of marijuana in the music scene uh, in the past years? Have you seen, a, you know, a, a big increasement, uh, certainly since legalization in Canada? To be honest with you, no. I feel like, not, like nothing's changed other than you can just order yeah, online and you don't have to worry about having it on you. Like I, and especially in Canada, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it seems like it's always just been a thing that nobody was that worried about. I don't know. Like if you're, there were people going out for cigarettes in front of the club, there was joints going around and nobody's saying anything because nobody cared. And like people still don't care. So like if somebody's passing around a cigarette and like almost even non-smokers of anything would rather smell a joint than smell a cigarette for the most part. So Mm -hmm. like, and, and like amongst our friends, it's like, because we're a little older, I don't know if the younger generation, I, I can't speak for them because like we didn't grow up with the legalization of it, but also it was just always there. It wasn't something that wasn't always around. So it just, to me, it just seems like it with in our friends in our circle, either there's people that do smoke, there's people that 
are chronic and will smoke before they go on in between breaks and, and everything and handle it fine. And that's just the way that they function. And, uh, or there's people like Katie and I that don't prefer to indulge before shows just so that we can make sure that we're on top of our game and, uh, there's no excuses that way. Uh, but yeah, like to be honest with you, as far as popularity goes, I just feel like it's just, it's just always been there and either you have or you haven't, and it hasn't really changed anybody's mind in our circle anyways. Yeah, well, and, and, and I had a guest on last week and we explored, uh, you know, how our, our DNA, you know, our DNA impacts why, you know, like you could sit there and smoke a, a joint and I could smoke the same joint and, and you could be chatting and I could be asleep or why I can maybe eat 20 uh, chocolates and, and you can eat one. So it's all everybody reacts totally different uh, to cannabis. It's, it's, you know, based on our endocannabinoid system and uh, there's so yeah. much about it that uh, makes it so individual that that it is, uh, you know, there are some people that that uh, use it uh, for for different reasons. But do you think touring is less stressful for artists going across Canada with legalization? You know, I know men, you mentioned before that uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. But, you know, there were a lot of stories where bands would get pulled over and buses would be searched. And uh, and I guess I guess that's now kind of the the not not a not a possibility in Canada anymore. Yeah, I think, uh, well, like even speaking from uh, our own experience, like we've crossed the country a few times um, and like with the, the, it depends on if you have five dudes in a van that all like to smoke, you know what I mean? Then you're going to be like, well, we got any, we need enough for a month. It's like, well, you get caught with that much before legalization, you know, like you're going to get in trouble. But like, I feel it's there's a, of course there's the uh, the easing of the mind when you don't have to worry about if you do get pulled over for speeding and the there's you have some weed on you you're not panicking about it so obviously there's there's mm-hmm. that um, and again like I don't know like when we our first cross country tour it wasn't even really a tour but it was uh, we called it an open mic tour because we had released that album in 2010 it was all self produced and. Uh, we, we didn't even know how to book a tour. So we're just like, screw it. Let's cross the country. We'll play every open mic we can find. And, uh, we brought along everything we needed. We just didn't like the, the quickest way across is to go up through the Dakotas. Right. But like, obviously we're not doing that mm-hmm. and you're still not doing that. But like, I don't know, I guess, nope. I don't, I don't know if, uh, I, like I said, I feel because it's just Katie and I, it's always been us two that tour together and we're not, we would never carry a ton of on us. So it was never that big of a, a deal, but obviously if you're a bigger band and you have a tour bus full of roadies and uh, mm-hmm. your five, five piece band, and then you're talking about having your, your cannabis for that group of people before legalization would be terrifying because like you're like depending on how long you're on the road for it's like how much do you need to have on you you know so like i I, because we've never had to deal with that i feel like our outlook on it has never really changed we're we're always careful we drive like grandparents anyways so we like uh we've never really been too worried about it but uh yeah i like and i can't speak for those bigger bands and bigger artists that yeah if you if you have a couple of buses and you're everybody is uh medicating 
I mean, it's got to be way less stressful now than it used to be. Yeah, I would imagine. So, um, you know, Katie, we talked about uh, creativity uh, when it comes to uh, music. Is there, you know, what other things do you use cannabis uh, for aside from, you know, in, in recreational enjoyment and, and creativity with music? Yeah, definitely. Um, Josh and I like to go camping and hiking, canoeing, that kind of thing. So, you know, we always we always indulge a little bit for that. Um, anything outdoors, I feel like, is always so much fun. Um, we recently went on a, a trip to uh, a friend's property up near Denby, Ontario, which is like southeast of Ottawa. And uh, we did some, you know, foraging in the woods and that kind of thing camping in the in the wildlife and so it's always like the group that we went with anyway every like half an hour is like joint doobie (laughs) um so definitely anything outside hiking kind of thing um we went to we went we went on tour last year and we were out uh in Alberta actually and we we dipped into the mountains we went down to like Jasper and and Banff and Canmore we visited one of the fire and flower stores is that what it's called fire mm-hmm. and flower yep. cannabis yep. and um we got some a couple things and and the girl suggested uh, a couple strains for hiking and I thought I'm like oh yeah like that's a great idea kind of thing right so yeah. something like that I would say would be our our second choice uh if we're not using it for music it would be for something outside uh adventurous like that well, there's nothing better than being in nature and, uh, you know, uh, using what Mother Nature gave us as this wonderful plant. So it's, uh, I, I think True, being yeah. outside, you know, as much as I love my really comfortable chair in my studio and I can watch different sport games and do everything and smoke a joint, I love being outside. That's that's where you should be uh, when you uh, when you kind of consume cannabis, in my opinion, getting back to nature but what do you think are some of the the biggest benefits of the of the cannabis plant overall katie um i mean the healing properties right like i've i have a couple different stories of friends and family that i know i had mentioned patrick lobson who did the video for take a ride um he passed away um a few years ago but he had a, a type of skin cancer and he used cannabis um he ate it he had weed butter that he ate and he smoked it and even if it was for that one that half an hour a day or what however it would you know however however long it would last for him it brought him so much relaxation and comfort like i I, as a outsider watching him use and knowing that he's in pain watching him have that relief um really showed me you know how powerful it was even if it was just temporarily you know um so something like that the healing properties really i think are amazing um and there's so many different ways you can use it for healing so i think i think that would be you know notable um point for it yeah you know my favorite you know i i love the fact that i can go to a store i can you know buy some cannabis come to my house smoke it and nobody's calling the cops on me that's awesome i love that we are legally allowed to do that, but the amount of research that is going to go into the plant and is currently being done on the plant and the amount of healing properties we don't know about that we're going to learn about over the next few years is going to be mind-blowing for people. And the scientific research that is behind it is going to force people to change their minds on cannabis and the healing properties that you just described. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, there's another man that we know that's um, local f- to us. We're uh, in Ontario here, but he has beat cancer and diabetes, and he had a list of ailments that he beat with cannabis. And he's a huge advocate for it. And he was friends with Patrick, who I just spoke about as well. So he kind of got him, you know, the things that he needed to be comfortable to find some some ease. And so there's there's tons of stories out there. But personally, we've we've witnessed and and know of, of two men that have used it and that have healed from it and you know used used its benefits that way. So it's crazy. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife has beaten cancer twice, and uh, the second time uh, was a really rare uh, sarcoma that we used uh, cannabis oil to rub topical on it and and kind of shrink the uh, uh, the the tumor, the sarcoma. So it, it certainly does, and and I like you have witnessed it uh, yeah, firsthand. So in 2019, Fresh Breath, uh, you guys put out the album The Big Picture, and then you've been spending the pandemic making some new music. So we're gonna hear a little bit of likes and shares now it's hard to write it anymore seems as though it's all been done before the chords have all been used the audience abused it doesn't matter which station you choose so i ask of you a favor today won't you lend me your ears perhaps you'll stay and take a listen to where i think we all went wrong and maybe i'll have my first hit song i think we need to shut that book of face instantly insta is erased a tweet tweet your president's rents are gone and we can finally try to get along but our population is addicted to the screen why don't you take a second to look up at me or take a look around and see who's on their phones live in the moment before it's gone because you might be listening to the next hit song but So, Josh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, likes and shares? I, I, I love the uh, line in there about uh, a certain president tweeting. Ha. Yeah, um, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a protest song in a fun sing along format. So, like, uh, I, we went back and forth about whether we should release it, whether it should be one of the singles for the year, just because we didn't want to rub people the wrong way or make them think that we don't have this same issue and that issue is uh our screens and these uh the aspect of social media making us anti-social and uh the song was inspired katie and i were playing a gig it was a small uh like restaurant style gig where we were it was i don't know there's maybe only 15 uh, tables in a place and it was just really cool intimate little gig you're able to play acoustic and it was just like very very intimate and we we went into this one song I, I forget exactly what the song was I'm not sure if it was one of ours or if it was a cover song but uh, I, I noticeably saw uh, a woman get excited turn towards me and like talk to her friend like oh you could see that she was excited about whatever we were playing and uh what she did was she grabbed her phone and uh she videoed it for about i don't know 15 or 20 seconds and then she turned down and you could see that she was posting and i'm assuming hashtagging it out or whatever right and then she put her phone away continued talking to her friend 
And then at the end of the song, she like there was no applause. She didn't clap. She didn't even look back at us to acknowledge that we had just played something that she really enjoyed. And I thought to myself, nobody even cares. It's all about the likes and the shares. And I was just like, that is a good, that's a hook for a song, right? So uh, I went home and started writing it. And uh, we, there's a few rewrites and just of trying, like uh, we work with our producer close to make sure that we, we hit all of the, uh, the right angles. So it wasn't in, uh, wasn't a song that was uh, like too offensive to anybody, but also it was like, so the lyrics could kind of go that way, but it was uh, pleasant to listen to. So we kind of tried to do like the, I don't know, I've been referencing Anne Murray a lot lately. I don't know why, but like, it's kind of like a beautiful tragedy kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where the song came from. So uh, yeah, it's like a sing-along protest song, a fun jab at uh, our screens controlling us, you know, and like we need to live in the moment and just put your phone down every once in a while. And I'm guilty of it too. And like, I'm not saying that I, like we're somehow above this. Like I don't have Instagram and Twitter cause I do, but it's a matter of, you know, being mindful of it anyways. Yeah. Good advice. I, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's really, really uh, good advice. And that's where, you know, like, uh, you know, being present in the moment, uh, you know, like you said, we all take the, uh, the odd picture and stuff, but you know, we have to be a little bit more present in, uh, in actually what we're doing instead of, uh, trying to preserve it what do you think the future of concerts will be like josh i mean this whole uncertainty uh, we had we were supposed to be going to uh, roger waters in the next little while i have no idea when the next time i'm going to be in a building with eighteen thousand people is so what do you uh, think concerts will be like i don't know like uh it's it's hard to say right now but uh because we like we this was supposed to be our biggest touring year as well like we were supposed to be out to uh, uh as far as um bc and back to southern ontario this summer through june and uh july and august and so this i like, cut the legs right out of our tour and um like and these are small clubs that we're supposed to be playing right where there's 100 maybe 150 people in there at the most and it's jammed in these little tiny places right so like as far as our concerts go like i i don't know i it, we're gonna have to go back to uh like seating arrangements and space right so as far as uh huge concerts go and i i just don't know we we were doing a uh a zoom call with some industry uh people just a couple of days ago and it was uh more festival related and uh they were talking about the future of festivals and like even the the big guys have no idea what's going to happen it all depends on whether this virus has got legs and it hangs around or if it dies off quickly uh or if we get some sort of miracle immunization going on like i don't see eighteen thousand people in a stadium anytime soon and that being said as uh mid-level artists uh entry-level artists or even like people that are getting bigger i feel like it's it's going to be easier for them to get back to work because like i said like 
uh, we're not drawing 18,000 people into a building. You know, we're, we're looking at getting, getting a hundred people out and we can try and space them out. And it's a little, you know what I mean? So like that level of artists might see things come back quite a bit quicker than say the big country artists or the big rockers and like people who are filling stadiums and big uh, halls and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of mind like mind boggling to even think about how they're going to approach it. So I don't envy them. That's for sure. Um, as far as, uh, you know, other Canadian musicians, who's inspired you, Katie? Oh, I have tons of Canadian music inspirations. Um, one of the first ones I thought of was Joni Mitchell. I'm, she was someone that was introduced to me at a very young age. And, uh, I, always been a huge fan of hers I don't know what it is this is something about her that has inspired me to want to be a better writer better guitar player better singer um so she's definitely top on the list um we listen to a lot of the band um the hip Mm -hmm. um those are two huge inspirations for us too um we like a good Canadian on a playlist for sure (laughs) um but yeah usually um we're listening to you know I love the new Alanis Morissette jam and uh, Serena Ryder, the Trues, My Son, the Hurricane. Have you heard of them? They're like a 13-piece brass funk beast from uh, St. Catharines. Yeah. Really cool band. You know, you hit you hit on two things that I absolutely love, Joni Mitchell and, and the band, and that brings me to The Last Waltz. I mean, anybody that hasn't seen The Last Waltz should uh, run out and try to find it right now. The... And I know he's not uh, the Canadian member, but Levon Helm's voice uh, on uh, on a couple of the songs for the band is just hauntingly awesome. And and Joni Mitchell, oh, um, you know, the the fact that she wrote Woodstock without being able to be there is just such a so strange. Where she had another gig to play, but she wrote such a poignant song about that. Uh, and, and I I certainly don't think Joni Mitchell gets enough respect and unfortunately uh, you know she's getting to the age where you know we're gonna we're gonna she's gonna pass away and we're gonna be like oh Joni Mitchell we should have celebrated her more she should be celebrated as a queen of Canada Canadian music absolutely I totally agree I totally underrated I don't understand it but she's just not mainstream I guess I don't know what it is but she's a Canadian jewel for sure Mm. Josh, let's uh, wrap up with this. What is one thing about cannabis in Canada you would like to see changed or allowed or, you know, evolve? And and it will. Let's face it. We're two years in and, you know, it's like uh, it's like saying, hey, I'm two days into my diet and I haven't lost 50 pounds. Well, we're getting there at some point. But what are some what is one thing or a couple of things that you would like to see changed among the legalization process? Uh, I don't know, I guess. uh more independent vendors, I guess, would be the best, the best, uh, the, well, I guess the more, the most, uh, important thing to me, I guess, so that it's not so government controlled. Um, like obviously they, we needed them behind it to get it done. And, uh, and now that it's done, I feel like it should be, there's, there's small microbreweries that are popping up. Uh, you know, like they don't, um, they don't control liquor that way anymore. 
Uh, you know what I mean? So I'd like to see that kind of come around that where somebody could, that is educated and has a passion for it can open up their own small shop. And, you know, like that's one thing, especially in Ontario, that they're just not allowing to happen. And I know that Ontario has a history of getting their fingers in the pie of everything. Same thing with uh, uh, the LCBO and whatever. And it doesn't work every like that way in um every other part of the country like every other province but uh i think especially for ontario it would be allowing the independent uh sale of it obviously not the guy on the street corner but i mean as a proper business so because there's just not there's just not many stores well, yeah and and, and we, we would need another hour to discuss how ontario has uh, messed up uh, legalization because there's there's over 400 stores in Alberta, uh, and there is tons of mom and pop shops. There is tons of craft growers coming into the market. So the things that you want are happening and are starting yeah, to happen. So it's just taken Ontario a little while to catch up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, Ontario, man, like yeah. I didn't know that I... I figured that Alberta and other provinces were, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of us, but I didn't realize how far. Yeah, oh, they always, uh, yeah the Ontario government always likes to get their hands in yeah. control of the controlled substances, I guess. But uh, yeah, and I guess just being from Ontario, so that would be the one thing I would love to see changed in our province anyways. And maybe we'll have to get the hell out of here. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on out to Alberta if you want to. Yeah. Uh, but guys, this has been such a, a fun conversation to have. I love uh, hearing other people's experience with cannabis, whether it's for creativity or health reasons. And, you know, I love exploring uh, the, the music scene uh, as well. So thank you so much uh, for joining me. Where can, uh, you know, music fans uh, find your stuff? I know uh, there, some of your albums are on uh, Apple Music, but where's the best way for people to find more information about Fresh Breath and uh, the future of, uh, of the band? Yeah, uh, sure. You can find us at our website, which is freshbreathband.com. And also any of our social media, uh, our handle is the same for all of them. It's f- at Fresh Breath Band. Um, so really easy to, to find us that way. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, we're constantly uploading new videos. Uh, content we have some some funny videos of like lifestyle fresh breath lifestyle videos as well as music videos on there and um yeah future of fresh breath um we're hoping to be touring out to alberta and beyond next year we've completed uh we've rescheduled a lot of dates uh that were supposed to happen this year so hopefully 2021 will be coming to a town near you and um in the meantime, we are releasing a Christmas song. So that's the next thing for Fresh Breath. Mm. And that will be out in late November. And uh, yeah, so we're th- we're new to the Christmas game. Um, we've never written a Christmas song before. This is an original, original Fresh Breath Christmas song. It's a kind of a funny uh, satire style song um, about how there better be some beers in the fridge on Christmas morning. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, so that's the next thing for us. (laughs) I am definitely looking forward to that. And uh, certainly when you're rolling through Alberta, uh, make sure you let me know. I'd love to come out to a show and we can uh, smoke a joint afterward. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Dean. Yeah, thanks for having us. This 
is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Fun conversation uh, and some really uh, cool music. Uh, Make sure you check out the website and find out where you can get all that good stuff. And check out One Hitters later in the week featuring Fresh Breath as we get to know their cannabis history. You will be able to find it and full episodes at www.cannabis101podcast.ca where you can subscribe to the Weed Weekly and qualify for our Friday giveaway. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley from the OZ joins me as usual. Visit the brand new beautiful website, OkanaganZ.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at OkanaganZ and at Wiley Writer. How is things in the beautiful valley today, David? Things is good, my friend. Just enjoying the sunshine. This is my favorite time of year season-wise. It cools down at night so I can sleep nicely and it's just hot and sunny during the day. I mean, does it get any better than that? No, it doesn't. Yesterday felt like a really warm late September day uh, here in Edmonton. So I hope we get that uh, nice, hot, uh, sunny uh, September and uh, even into a little bit uh, of October. I I don't know what it was like for you, but growing up in Manitoba, whatever costume I was for Halloween was always the fat version because you had to wear so many layers. (laughs) So it'd be nice for kids to actually have a warm Halloween uh, depending on what's going to happen with COVID-19 and Halloween this year. It's true. Some people are saying that it might be postponed. I like the idea of, um, you know, like basically the kids go by your lawn and you throw candy at them. So I'd, I'd be down with that. Yeah, it uh, will be interesting. All right, let's jump into our first story. And we've touched in the past about different celebrities uh, getting into the cannabis industry on different level levels. And uh, the... Uh, the e-commerce startup Dutchie has raised a ton of cash. And, and this is a system that I know Fire and Flower uses and some other retail stores uh, use. And it's also attracting some pretty big names. This is huge. Uh, cannabis e-commerce platform Dutchie pulled in $35 million in new funding. And like you mentioned, that's from some pretty heavy hitters in business, including the Starbucks founder, uh, this is an Oregon-based company. They've got hundreds of retail stores, and now that they uh, that are part of their system, and that's in cities throughout Canada, uh, including um, a lot of provinces, if not all of them, as well as a bunch of parts of the U.S. And uh, so, Howard Schultz, founder of Starbucks, and Thrive Capital, um, who's invested in Spotify, Instagram, Slack, um, you know, some of the big names, they've announced are joining on as funders. And Snoop Dogg is an investor. Back from 2018, he saw the promise in this company, and uh, they're saying that they're going to take this new uh, new cash and really try and um, scale up quickly, try and make sure that uh, the, the different retail stores that are part of uh, their infrastructure and the e-commerce system, you know, they list menus and uh, and help them out with, uh, with the sales points and that sort of thing. Make sure that, that they've got uh, you know, basically service that is continuing to keep up with demand and uh, keep up with the changes in the industry. And they have been many. 
you know, the pandemic has created a world in which cannabis has become an essential service and uh, also in a world where we really are trying to limit contact. So what does that mean? I mean, with legislation, it means that uh, we're becoming a little more um, lenient with how these sales are taking place. And that means that online e-commerce is becoming a big thing. And in a lot of provinces right now, you can make those sales online, come into the store and pick it up. And that's generally done through e-commerce sites uh, and e-commerce platforms like Dutchie. Yeah. This is, um, I think this is the, the future of cannabis. And when delivery eventually gets here, I mean, door-to-door delivery, not from your provincial retailer, Delivery like pizza with cannabis gets there. These are going to be even more important. Uh, you mentioned uh, Snoop Dogg, Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets, formerly of Golden State, and his 35 ventures uh, getting involved. So the industry is attracting more people. And I don't know about you, but this is how I uh, buy my cannabis from now on. Like before, it was I would drive to this store. Do you have this? I would drive to this store. Do you have this? Now I do it from my phone, my computer. I place my order, uh, click and collect at Nova. Other places have these systems set up as well. You, you show up and your order is ready and you're out. You're, you have minimal contact with people. And that's the goal right now. And so this is uh, a no-brainer for me uh, for pe- keeping people safe, but also for you know, wait, not wasting your time driving from store to store if you live in a big city. Yeah, it's really convenient. And you can tell just by how fast the company has grown. Hmm. 2017 started off with three local dispensaries there in Oregon. And, uh, you know, now we're into 2020. And they've got uh, 1,300 stores in 32 markets wow. uh, with Dutchie now processing 10% of all legal cannabis transactions in the world. That's amazing. Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's how everybody should be shopping. You can see the whole menu and you can go from there. All right. Uh, you know, since legalization in Canada has taken place, one myth after another has uh, started shattering from the anti-cannabis crew. I mean, <laughs> there's no riots. Uh, people aren't burning buildings down after smoking a joint or jumping off buildings after smoking a joint. Reefer madness has not <laughs> taken over our country. And we're starting to see more and more studies like the one we're going to talk about today. Goodness, the, the ridiculousness that has just melted away you know, from the reefer madness days. And uh, here we've got yet another study. And this latest one here says that uh, post-work pot smoking doesn't affect your job performance. Basically, being high at work, yeah, that does affect you. You come into your job, you know, you're high off your rocker. Absolutely, you're not going to do things as well as you would if you were sober-minded. But when it comes to going home after hours, and indulging in cannabis, well, that has absolutely zero effect whatsoever on your job performance. So, you know, just boot out those old stereotypes that uh, that cannabis makes you lazy um, because it, it, it doesn't. And that's what this study here goes to, to shore up. It finds that when you go home, um, it's actually to the point where it is generally accepted as beneficial, particularly the researchers in this study note if you are working in a high-stress, high-pressure kind of job, when you go home after work, if you are able to partake in cannabis, particularly across Canada where it's legal to go home now, just the same as 
you know, having a glass of wine, then that will actually help prepare you for the next day at work because you're calmer and you're able to take some time the night before just to unwind and deal with some of the stresses. And this is a, it, it's been published in uh, the group and organization management journal. And uh, the researchers here, they're two, they're from the U.S. Uh, one is from the San Diego State University and the other from Auburn University in Alabama. The study involved 281 employees and their direct supervisors. Once again, an awesome opportunity that's been created by this new wonderful world that we live in where cannabis studies can be done um, by, you know, top of the line um, researchers. Uh, top of their field without the limitations that we had when when the stigma was there and people just did not want to be associated with. So I can't wait to see the other kinds of things that come out of this. And the researchers here also allude to that fact that there more studies need to be done and they're very excited about what's going to come out of this. Yeah, 100%. And uh, by no means am I saying right now that uh, you should get high and go to work because 90% of the places uh, would not allow that. There are a lot of jobs where you should not be high at, but there are some employers out there that have a unique sort of uh, brand or whatever it is that I do know some of them that allow uh, their, their, you know, their employees to go out on a break and, you know, like the, it's a different kind. Like we're not talking about forklift uh, operators or construction <laughs> workers here. We're talking about in an office environment because there's a lot of people, listen, uh, you know, my guest last week, David Krantz, we talked about your DNA and cannabis affects everybody differently. There are some people that are very productive uh, uh, when, when they use cannabis, uh, you know, I do a lot of my creativity and a lot of my work using cannabis. So by no means am I saying go get high and go to work, but if your employer, uh, or some of those open-minded employees in the certain working setting, you can get some interesting productivity. And listen, I'm not talking about hot boxing in an office for three hours. So you're stoned to the bejesus. I'm talking about just getting the creative juices flowing every once in a while. So it certainly does help with productivity, but getting too high is obviously going to affect your productivity getting high off work hours that certainly has obviously this study uh, no impact uh, on production creativity is definitely something that a lot of studies have found it, uh, is enhanced by cannabis and you know the bottom line for these researchers was that ultimately organizations and governmental bodies need to present evidence in favor of their beliefs uh, in, in favor of substance policies. And, you know, that's the key word here is that evidence needs to be uh, brought about and that's what needs to be, um, you know, really governing these kinds of things. Right. And and attitudes may be changing. I mean, uh, as we, we weave into our next story, we're talking, as we did uh, recently, about the Biden administration, what they will do if Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris are, are elected in November. They have said on the record, decriminalization will happen. Now, there's a actually, actually, I'll just get your thoughts on that and then we'll get to maybe the difference between decriminalization and legalization in a second. But this is something we were um, hoping at least would happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the distinction is decriminalization and legalization, what, what that's going to look like. Um, but like you alluded to, here we are in a position where we have uh, what could very well be the next U.S. administration saying that P- 
people don't need to be in jail over cannabis. Um, so just that right there is going to make tremendous changes. And yeah, why don't uh, why don't you explain the difference between decriminalization and legalization? Because that is something that I actually had to look up, uh, even though that's a question that we face here in Canada too. Yeah, well, from from what I understand, and and by no means am I a lawyer or do I play one on a podcast, but decriminalization <laughs> is like I guess you're you're kind of like just loosening the rope on regulations. It's almost like. Uh, you know, the, those imposing the law, police officers or whatever it might be, kind of look the other way when it comes to personal cannabis use. And, you know, if, if you are caught, you're getting a fine, like you would uh, a speeding ticket or jaywalking instead of going to jail and, and getting criminal charges. That's what I understand uh, as far as decriminalization, whereas legalization is lifting uh prohibition and what we see here opening stores selling it real illegally going through a process so those are the the differences and you know i think decriminalization is least a start because you're, you're basically saying yes you can have uh weed for personal use but it's kind of like amsterdam uh, it's legal to smoke it it's legal to buy it but it's not legal to uh for us for a cafe to get it so they're saying yeah you'll be able to use it for personal use um, you know, the cops will look other, the other way, I guess, in, in those situations, but uh, you won't be able to go buy it in a store. So I don't know where you're going to get it. So it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a weird gray area decriminalization. It's, it's such an in- interesting distinction right now, too, especially for companies in Canada that are looking to expand to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of them. I mean, Canopy, uh, of course, wants to get into the U.S. market. Supreme is, is poised. Afria, um, like a lot of these big companies are looking to the U.S. market. And if if you're not creating a federal law that will govern all the different states, that tends to leave it to a state-by-state regulation, which is what Biden has alluded to, is that this is going to be left up to a state-by-state kind of process to see how, where they want to stand uh, on it. And that's going to be fascinating to see it roll out. One of the big things that's happening here is that Biden, too, says that he wants to make it easier to conduct research, something that we've just spoken about. And uh, that would involve rescheduling cannabis as a Schedule II drug. Mm. And right now, cannabis is along with heroin and LSD, so it's classified as Schedule I under the Controlled Substances Act. And that means that it basically has no currently accepted medical use under federal legislation and a high potential for abuse. So bringing into a Schedule Two section, um, that would bring it into drugs like cocaine and meth. Yeah. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. Because there's medical uh, benefits for them. Exa- well, having you know still a high potential for abuse and uh, may lead to severe psychological and physical dependence is what they say. But Schedule Two drugs does allow uh, you know accepted medical uses, and I think that that's been pretty firmly established by a lot of the research that's been done both in Canada and the U.S. So, like you said, a step in the right direction, but we're not there yet. Yeah, take a picture of somebody who smoked meth for five years and take a picture of somebody (laughs) who smoked cannabis for five years and tell me what sort of medical benefit there might ever be for meth or or cocaine. But that's that's down another rabbit hole that we unfortunately uh, don't have time with. I want to just quickly get into a story about Colorado or 
America's Amsterdam, as I call them, um, they now have uh, these vending machines that are popping up. And, and this kind of was along the lines with the first story we touched on with Dutchie about, you know, you some people just want to go in and out and get their thing. These vending machines that are popping up in Colorado, something to watch as far as to see if they show up in Canada as well. It's an interesting little trend and it makes sense. And, you know, the, the, I, COVID-19 world where we're trying to, to limit that face-to-face interaction. And these are popping up at the, the Strawberry Fields Cannabis Dispensary in Colorado for machines. And uh, they're basically saying that they ensure customers get the products without seeing a human's face, which sounds so weirdly dystopian now that I say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, this really is a new development in the industry. And it goes towards what we've been talking about with normalization. You see something being sold in the vending machine, and uh, it, it adds to it a certain sense of, yes, this is something that's here, and it's something that needs to be offered in a way that's convenient. Um, you know, we've seen cannabis become an essential service, and here's just another convenient way to provide it to people who, uh, who want it slash need it. Yeah, the the only concern I had when I was thinking about this is, you know, obviously cannabis getting into the wrong hands because it's a vending machine, but it's not like these are on street corners. Uh, these are inside stores where you still have to show valid identification to be able to use it. Yeah, that's right. So, exactly. So it's just a, a way to um, keep you from having to go all the way up to the counter. And, and again, making that face-to-face interaction a little bit limited. I hate to say it because we love to be friendly and talk to people, um, but this is the world that we live in. Our bubbles are smaller. Yeah, and there will be a time again where we will be able to uh, actually have uh, fun conversations. Okay, let's this uh, final story. Um, to me, kind of the, the headline for this story is uh, dog bites man sort of thing. Like, I'm going to put on my surprise face that illicit pot still dominates after two legal years. And the reason I'm saying this is I I don't know who thought that in two years, legal cannabis (laughs) would overtake illegal cannabis. I mean, this is sort of obvious. And and I think the thing that gets overlooked is that the amount of people using legal cannabis has doubled. That's a good thing. I think the, I think the headline is, it has the wrong focus in this story, in my opinion. It's so funny. We didn't even talk about, how you know we were going to, to discuss the story and we both arrived at the same conclusion <laughs> that basically Bloomberg has taken the wrong stance on this. I mean, we're about to hit a milestone here. There's a 50-50 split now. We're two years on and already the, the black market is um, down to 46% of total use in Canada. And you know, I bet it's already beyond that. So we're, we're on the verge here of an inflection point is the way I see it. And all signs are there. So the legal price is cheaper. We're talking about less than $4 a gram now in the legal market. The quality is fire. And we have legal growers that are really jumping ship. They're starting to take advantage of that one-time declaration that lets them grandfather in their genetics and become part of the legal industry. Like, come on, guys, there's lots of room on the boat here. So we're coming up to October 17th, milestone date of the second anniversary of legalization. And, you know, already we've been making some huge strides. And remember that that Cannabis 2.0 really is so much in its infancy right now. We're finally starting to see 
more of the concentrate products come on the market. And we're seeing some really cool stuff. We're seeing drinks and chocolates and teas and, you know, whatever else. So this is, this is really a good news story. And, uh, and it's great to see that things are improving in the, the legal marketplace. And that's starting to become something that's really mainstream knowledge. This is the equivalent of saying, holy mackerel, I'm two days into my diet and I haven't lost 50 pounds. Like it's so silly to sit there and say two years in the black market still dominating. Well, first of all, I don't think the black market is dominating anymore. Uh, and, And secondly, it's two years. I just, I don't get it. I mean, listen, there's a cannabis shop in, in St. Albert here where I live, uncle Sam's cannabis. I went in there the other day. They had an ounce for less than a hundred dollars. How do you mm-hmm. tell me? I, I've I've never ever seen on the black market an ounce of good cannabis for less than a hundred dollars. Maybe I've always paid too much. I don't know, but I I think that legal cannabis in a short time has taken a sizable bite out of the gray black illicit market, whatever you want. And and I think that's the part that should be celebrated instead of saying, oh, you guys, you know, the legal market's not catching up yet. Well, no kidding. I, 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 I can't believe we actually didn't discuss this and, and we came out on the same side because, you know, like there's, <laughs> and, and the other thing is the amount of accessories that we're seeing now too, that, you know, before, if you wanted to do a dab, well, you were getting out your torch and everything. Now you have push, push button items. So the legal market in Canada, I think, uh, while it's it's you know, only taken a few steps forward, they've been giant steps, in my opinion. They've been huge. Bringing it back to the first story uh, that we talked about with Dutchie, I went on to their site to check it out, and they have one of the um, non-licensed stores in their system showing the menu, and they also have a licensed store out here where I live uh, in the menu. And I compared prices and you know what? The legal side came out remarkably cheaper. Yeah. Well said, David, thank you again. Uh, some really interesting stories that uh, we got to sink our teeth into check out Okanaganz.com and make sure you give them a follow on Twitter at Okanaganz and at Wiley writer. Thanks again, David. Enjoy the sunshine. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. I want to tell you about the Cannabis and Hemp Expo. Uh, It was originally supposed to happen in uh, April. That got pushed to October, obviously, because of uh, COVID-19. And uh, uh, the restrictions were just going to be too tough, apparently, for the event to go on as far as the amount of people. So it has, again, been pushed to late April. It will be happening at the Edmonton Expo Center. When this event does happen, we'll be there. We'll have a booth. We'll be able to talk to you, find out about what you love about cannabis. We'll talk to some of the vendors that are there as well. You can get more information at www.cannabishempexpo.com. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. 
welcoming Chris Ionson back into the studio. The strain guy, as my buddies call you, uh, the strain guy from <laughs> your podcast. And also, of course, our educator here on What's That Strain and the manager, Nova Cannabis, Jasper Av. Uh, you can see it when you drive down by the cool artwork that is outside. I, yeah. That's one thing that I really love is the uh, the local artwork that you guys have outside your building. Yeah, totally. I feel like uh, yeah, our, our building has a presence. And yeah, when you drive down on Jasper Ave, we have a, a wall that's uh, kind of in a hallway outside of the store, but still within mm. our building. And uh, we had a local artist, um, Jill, Jill Stanton, uh, come and do uh, graffiti artwork on, on this huge long wall. And then uh, we had Nova Cannabis letters mounted and they kind of pop out of the wall. Uh, and then there's another wall uh, facing the uh, east side of the building uh, done by A.J. Voln, um, and it's just says Jasper Ave mm-hmm. in a really cool kind of street font. Uh, love it. It's uh, it's super awesome. And yeah, It's a way for you guys to stand out in an industry where it's really hard to stand out because of the regulations. So it's beautiful stuff. You know what I think it would be great for? You know, that first, that person that makes that first cannabis purchase you know, taking like the selfie outside <laughs> with the that cool sign or, you know, to yeah. commemorate the ca- the occasion or yeah. something like that, right? Because most every other store, it's just the sign. You don't have that cool artwork that you can actually take a picture. Yeah, that's a very good point, Dean. Yeah. I, I remember at legalization, there was a lot of photo ops and, <laughs> uh, you know, we were taking photos of groups of people or, or families even. Right. I'm buying pot with my mom. Isn't so this cool. Crazy? You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be cool to come back to that. <laughs> good photo ops for sure. Yeah. All right, let's get to it we're doing tutti fruity a sativa dominant strain uh, from collab project and they are part of the oxley group so tell us a little bit about them yeah for sure dean uh oxley cannabis group uh they were founded in 2017 uh they're based out of toronto ontario and they received their uh lp certification from health canada on august 25th 2017 so today is their three-year anniversary wow yeah we, we're recording this on tuesday so happy birthday oxley yeah. in your honor i'm gonna smoke one of your great products today <laughs> sweet man yeah, yeah for sure uh so yeah congrats to them uh uh i, I tracked down a a, a a media release where it kind of summed up the company. I, I figured I would just read to you guys, mm-hmm. uh, get a good idea uh, about them. So uh, Oxley was founded in 2017, recognize, recognizing the tremendous opportunity to become forward-looking leaders within an emerging Canadian and global industry. Our team of experts leveraged their respective backgrounds in the space to form a business with impact and longevity. Now with operations based across Canada and Uruguay, Uh, We are poised to become a global cannabis leader focused on providing branded cannabis products backed by science and innovation. And that, you know, a good portion of that probably came from the mind of their CEO, who has quite the impressive resume uh, when it comes to cannabis and life. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Yeah, I just looked into uh, Hugo Alves is is. Uh, the Oxley Group CEO, and Hugo. So it seems like a very interesting person. Uh, he played a, a, a big role in in shaping the regulated cannabis industry here in Canada, leading up to legalization. Uh, he's one of the co-founders of Hope for Health. It's uh, the world's first registered charity focused uh, medicinal cannabis organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a professor at uh, the University of Western Ontario, where he co-created and teaches marijuana law and practice. Like. <laughs> you could tell that's a guy wow. who is, you know, not just uh, 
in the cannabis business because it's a cannabis business. He's in it because he loves it. It's yeah. not, it's, you know, he's more into the cannabis part of cannabis business than the business part. He really yeah, sounds like he's, you know, trying to pay it forward in the cannabis world. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's a passion too. You know, mm. I, I just feel like it's a, a, clearly it's a big part of the guy's life. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, super cool. He's the guy kind of steering the ship. Uh, so yeah, kudos to Hugo Elvis. No doubt. They have four different brands, including Collab Project. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we have the Collab Project. I just want to lightly uh, just touch on kind of the, the brand itself. It's, mm -hmm. it's a ca cannabis platform dedicated to the arts, the design, and culture, uh, providing Canadians with carefully curated, high-quality cannabis. Nice. And with the Collab stuff, I mean, their packaging is very simple. Um, the logo is very simple. It's kind very of very like environmentally a, friendly, super environment. Yeah. Right. They've got, uh, you know, a lot of comp compostable, recyclable packaging. Uh, so big fans of uh, collab, uh, for sure. Uh, foray is another, uh, brand from them. And we have that in Alberta here and it's, uh, it, they call it an accessible entry point for all consumers, anyone at any stage in their cannabis journey. Uh, it's designed for the curious and they aim to celebrate and educate. Nice. Yeah. And with the foray stuff, we haven't really seen, uh, any, any flower smokables, but we've got um, uh, the chocolates yeah. and the gummies, the edibles and the vape pens as well. The chocolates are really good. That's that's the, uh, yeah. I haven't had the the, edib the other edibles or the pens, but the chocolates from Foray are delicious. Yeah, right. They got the vanilla chai yeah. and the, the sea salt and caramel. That yeah. sea salt and caramel. Um, you know, it's it's actually probably a good thing they come in smaller packages. If they were big bars, I would eat so much because <laughs> it's, it, the taste is delicious. And I, I will tell you that was one of the, the biggest concerns uh, I had when we were talking about edibles coming onto the market is the taste because, yeah. you know, most of us have had somebody's edible, right, <laughs> that they made and uh -huh. they're not always that tasty. And sometimes that cannabis taste can be really strong. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's off-putting. But the taste for the edibles, particularly the four A's, is delicious. Yeah, I feel like they, they did a great job on yeah. kind of fine-tuning the flavor for sure. Um, so that's Foray. Uh, Dose Can is is also a brand, uh, and uh, right now we've got a, just just a CBD oil uh, here mm -hmm. in Alberta. But it's a, a clinical wellness brand built on pillars of quality, efficacy, and safety, uh, backed by science and advanced research. Um, super high quality stuff, though. Mm -hmm. um, they've got capsules as well. Um, uh, so super cool Dose Can, uh, and then Robinsons. Um, Robinson, I'm a little jealous of. The provinces, provinces that do have it. We don't have it here in Alberta yet, uh, but it's a, a premier producer of fine craft cannabis. It's hand-tended, cultivated in the Annapolis Anna uh, Valley in Nova Scotia. And their commitment to quality is unwavering at every step of the process. Like, and I've seen some photos of, of the, the bud and it just looks tremendous. Uh, I can't wait for that to uh, hit the market. So uh, we know where some of this stuff, uh, Robinson's, uh, but where and how much uh, is Colab Project doing and, and the Oxley Group in general, I guess. Yeah, so, so their Canadian cultivation facilities, they provide an expected supply of over 100,000 kilograms of cannabis per mm. year. Uh, they've got four kind of main main facilities uh, or three main facilities in Canada. Uh, first up is, is the Sun Inns facility. It's a large scale greenhouse in Leamington, Ontario. 
And it's a, it's a joint venture between the Oxley Group and, and the Sunnins Farms uh, Cannabis. And okay. so they kind of co-own that together. Uh, next up is the Robinson's Cannabis. And, and that's an ultra-premium indoor cannabis cultivation facility. It's located in Kentville, Nova Scotia. Uh, wholly owned by the Oxley Group and fully licensed and operational. And they're booming cannabis out of there. Uh, and then there's the Robinson's Outdoor Grow. And it's an outdoor... Uh, cultivation facility located in Hortonville, mm -hmm. Nova Scotia, wholly owned by Oxley. Uh, currently, though, awaiting licensing for production. So they're kind of in okay. almost there. Uh, they also have uh, numerous uh, existing offtake agreements with various partners uh, like Delta 9, uh, Lotus Ventures, CanTX Life Sciences, and Atlantic Cultivation. So they can, um, they can kind of... Um, reach out and, uh, to, uh, you know, other people growing to, to be able to, um, package different strains sure. if, they, if they want to go that route. Um, and then, uh, really cool thing is, is their international game is really doing well. Uh, the Oxley group, they have a, a large scale outdoor facility in Montevideo, Uruguay, mm. uh, 80% owned by the Oxley group and, uh, it's fully licensed and operational. Uh, it's currently a hemp facility right now, but, uh, you know, as things progress, uh, in the country, Uruguay, they'll be, uh, some changes happening there too. Yeah, Uruguay, you know, people like uh, Uruguay did uh, legalize, but it is obviously very, very different mm -hmm. uh, than it is here in uh, Canada. They're, they're also, I really want to visit this place because mm -hmm. they, they also are involved a little bit on the retail side. Like this is definitely a day trip. I've said to my wife, Trish, I'm like, I think we're going to do a day trip to Lloyd. Yeah, I, I think you should too, Dean. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. Um, yeah, they have a retail store. It's in uh, in Lloydminster, Saskatchewan, uh, and it's called Lab uh, 001, Lab 1. Uh, it's, a, it's a physical translation of intangible concepts. It's the driving force behind col the Colab project, and it's, uh, it's got like a really unique storefront uh, with like a dual-purpose false laundromat front. So when you walk into the store, there's, there's a bunch of washing machines on the wall and towards the back of the room is, you know, the door into the cannabis It's like a speakeasy, area. right? Like, yeah. you know, like the old times where you had to go through the laundromat to get to the bar. Yeah. In this super case, cannabis. Cool. Yeah. So they kind of have that, yeah, that front area where it's just kind of a ruse, which I don't know, I think that's hilarious that's so awesome. and, and super cool. Um, and they, they kind of say, mention that, it, you know, it's the embodiment of, of the brand, you know, uh, that, that retail store they're aiming to focus a, an organic intersection of culture experience and social activity which invites active participation in the discovery and creation of what collab project could become next yeah so, man i really want to go there yeah it yeah. sounds like a cool uh be a cool trip out there for sure um okay so the history of tutti fruity is I don't know. It's wild. That's the only way mm -hmm. I can kind of describe it. We, we've talked sometimes about, you know, three strains being involved. Man, the lineage tree for this doesn't seem to end. Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> I mean, we've got kind of the four main ones, but uh, if, if you take a look on like Seed Finder <laughs> on the Tutti Frutti. Uh, Book off a few hours. Yeah, it's it's pretty extensive with, you know, what, what went into it. Um, but I'll, I'll just touch on, I guess, those four main sure. ones, Dean. Um, so we've got some, some Blue Haze. Uh, crossed with sour diesel haze, crossed with Thai green haze, crossed with diesel rider. So super interesting. We got uh, hazes are, are typically those uplifting energetic sativas. We got a triple haze. Hazes are wild in this. Yeah, it's yeah, right. Uh, and then um, 
I'm pretty sure that diesel rider was kind of brought in to reduce the flowering time. Okay. Because typically, when you when you when you grow hazes, uh, they're going to take a, a lot longer, a couple of weeks sure. longer than than if it wasn't a haze. So. Um, and is diesel rider quite a bit different than that's the, right? The yeah, it, it is uh, on the indica side of things right. too. So, so a little bit of a balance it levels there, right? it out a bit. Yeah, <laughs> are these ha like blue haze, sour diesel haze, Thai green haze, all distinct different hazes, or do they kind of follow the same? Uh, pattern as a as a is no a they've would. all kind of got their own separate wow. separate breakdown uh where it's i mean there is the the strain haze is thrown in there but it's a whole bunch of other Sweet. stuff it's yeah so <laughs> there's really a lot of uniqueness to this strain yeah it's uh it's a whole lot of haze yeah no doubt yeah. uh who created this yeah so so Trudy fruity was created uh in 2017 by by the seed bank uh one of the newer seed banks uh flash seeds uh they operate out of valencia spain and uh, this, this strain is known to be great for beginner growers as it's it's highly resistant to common molds and mildew uh, as well as common pests. So, mm. And uh, what you said doesn't take as long too, right? Yeah, so. yeah, totally, right? Um, the uh, the Flash Seeds company, they've got a, a breeder named Stitch. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. He, he's kind of like the godfather of the super auto flower strains. Um, and what super auto flower strains are is it's, you know, seeds that you, you pop that, um, you know, they're going to auto flower. You don't need to mess with the, the lighting cycle. It's so really it's good a, for a beginner. Yeah, then. totally. Um, and it's, it produces competitive results with photo period plants. So, uh, this guy stitch is a legendary grower. Um, I found a few, uh, online forums, like where, where growers are begging this stitch guy to make some, some super auto forms of like their favorite strains, right. asking so him to make it for them. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it just produces uh, bigger buds and you know, you're just going to get more yield from these plants too. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, when you check out uh, the website, www.collabproject.com, I love the floating images. It, I, I had it up for a while when I was working and it kind of had the lava lamp effect on me because there was at one point there was just a real close up of like the concentrates in one of their vape pens and the bubbles. Yeah. And I'm like, this is just floating by. It has a lava lamp feeling to it. So pretty cool. You know, very basic with the, the, the information you need on the That's left simple. side and then lots of pictures and cool stuff. And, you know, they have some, uh, you know, some decent information about the different strains on there. I, I, I really wish uh, a lot of these places would start listing you know, the terpene breakdown percentage wise and stuff. I, I've seen some of that out there. Yeah. I think that would be really beneficial to get people to learn more about them. Yeah. Even, yeah, just to share the info mm -hmm. and I mean, just give us a range too, guys. Like, right. you know, it doesn't have to, I know that, you know, batch to batch, you're going to have different sure. percentages of per, uh, terpenes, but it'd be nice to know kind of what you're working with, what your, your low end of, of percentage of terpene and right. what your high end is. Yeah, like listen, I I'm one of those people that uh, I I'm on the lookout for specific uh, uh, terpenes that are going to help me with what I want to use cannabis for, right? So it's you know you're able to to pick and choose, right? You know, so um, I, I don't know. It's just a just a personal uh, wish list for me, but I do love the website and I love the calming effect of it. Uh, this has a THC percentage uh, of eighteen point three percent. And uh, this is a, uh, a pre-roll, so you might sometimes find it a little difficult to figure out the uh, THC percentage on uh, pre-rolls. Can you give me your little magic trick that you have? Yeah, totally. So, so on the packaging, it's got a total THC, total, <laughs> and it says 182.51 uh, milligrams per gram 
of THC. Um, now, the fact that they've got that per gram right there, that's that's we're going to convert that directly into a, a percentage just by moving the decimal point over. So Boom. Uh, these ones here are 18.251% THC. Total THC total. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as it says on the box yeah, yeah. awesome okay so that's the thc percentage we'll get into where that fits and, and who that fits for as we go along but let's talk about what's in a name with uh, this string yeah so what's in a name I, I i think that it's uh you know it's named after you know the popular ice cream flavor from you know back in the day uh and also it's you know flavor and aroma profile mm-hmm. um it does have kind of a uh, you know, a, a fruity tootiness to it. Yeah. Sweet yeah, flavor. When yeah. you, when you smoke it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, I mean, there's, there's other flavors to, to the, this, the thing, but it's, uh, I feel like calling it tutti fruity kind of works out. Uh, I think also it's a nod to the 1955 hit sure. from little Richard tutti fruity, uh, you know, with the, uh, womp, womp, bam, bam, boom. There you uh, go. Yeah. That was the one I, uh, I read that was, uh, his take on, on a percussion sound. Oh, that's <laughs> and then, cool. Yeah, and it just ended up getting uh, thrown into the mix. I like that. I like yeah. that. I like. Uh, okay, so uh, I, that's uh, reason enough. Uh, f- I, I like, you know, when things are named a little bit after the flavor as well, so you kind of have a, a little bit of a, an idea what you're getting. As for the look, um, let's start with just the, the, the packaging. Uh, I, I think they've knocked it out of the park with this type of packaging for pre-rolls. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, you know, small little box. Um it's got, um, I mean, it's compostable cardboard mm-hmm. to it. So, I mean, the idea is you, you peel the stickers off and you can just throw it in the dirt and she'll compost. Uh, uh, but inside it, uh, I mean, it's got super easy to open. Just make sure you, you know, kind of cut the slits on both sides. Yeah, make sure you do both sides because yeah. you watched me trying to open this and the one, uh, what do you call that? The excise stamp sticker? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, the excise stamp was still attached and I'm like, why isn't this opening? Then you, you slide <laughs> that. But it is really easy to open and... Once you do, like, I mean, A, the protection yep. and, and, and the, well, double protection because there's an Integra pack in there. So yeah. they're protecting your weed and taking care of it at the same time. I mean, that's, that's a home run. Yeah. And, and I find the free rolls too, inside the little box, within the box, uh, they're very snug and, and held in place. Yeah. They don't yeah, move around. Bo- moving around at all. Yeah. So great job. First of all, on the uh, packaging, mm-hmm. um, as far as the smell um, you know, it's, it's, it's not lying with the name Tutti Fruity. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely kind of sweet and f- fruity. Uh, I kind of got like some blueberries, uh, you know, off the hop, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely a spicy overtone on the smell. That's what I got right away. Yeah. Is that, that's the, the first thing for me is, is the spice. Uh, and then a hint of kind of floral, kind of mm-hmm. like a spicy flower almost. And then when you find out the terpene profile, you're like, well, that's where it all comes from because, you know, the, the, the spice and the, the floral is mixed in with some earthiness there, right? It is, Dean. Uh, so the, the dominant terpene in, in Tutti Frutti is caryophylline. So that's the black pepper and spice right there, number one. Uh, the second one listed is, is myrcene, and that's, you know, cloves and, and earthy kind right. of tones. Uh, and then bringing up the rear is uh, linalool, floral, and kind of lavender notes, so... That's super nice. All right. Good mix. Uh, it is a delicious mix. Uh, sweet, spice, floral. Uh, now, everybody does react a little bit differently, uh, but what's uh, kind of your take on the uh, desired effect? Uh, what were you getting with this, and you know, what are uh, you, you hearing from other people? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's it's definitely the strain is all about feeling good. 
Uh, lots of euphoric blasts throughout. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. It's very uplifting. Um, it's a bit of a creeper though, Dean. So it, like, it just, it's not gonna hit you right off the hop. I, I feel like the high takes a couple minutes to kind of sink in. Uh, but while you're smoking it though, I, I feel like you're just, for me, it's the, the flavor and the smoothness of, of the smoke is very enjoyable. Uh, I found it was really good for letting the creative juices flow. Uh, I had a lot of kind of cool, goofy ideas kind of spitting off in my head there. Uh, and also a very good strain for stimulating appetites. So if you're having trouble, uh, you know, getting getting food down, get some tutti fruity in you. The munchies will follow. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, uh, I, I know that um, in the legal cannabis world in Canada, you guys are restricted to recreational. But I can tell you, I know a, a lot of people, particularly cancer patients, uh, that use cannabis to stimulate their appetite. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of people that, uh, you know, are, are suffering from things. So, you know, for, for those of you on the listening that uh, are interested in the medical side, uh, this is definitely one if you need to boost uh, that appetite. And, you know, there are there are strains out there that suppress the appetite too. It's not always about getting the munchies and eating a lot, but this one certainly would be perfect for, you know, those people out there that are dealing with something like that. Yeah, absolutely, Dean. Uh, and I think, too, I'm just going to mention that, you know, everyone does react differently to cannabis, yep. too. So, I sure. mean, uh, I just want to throw it out there. I don't want anyone, like, hitting you up being like, hey, I had tutti frutti and I didn't eat a thing. Like, yeah, that's right. E everyone reacts differently to cannabis. We all and, have the, and there's something called set and setting. It, for sure, right? Right. You want to explain that? Yeah, set and setting. So, it's kind of, you know, uh, where you're at, uh, you know, who you're with. Literally. Liter literally yeah. where you're at, uh, where you're at in the day, too. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about set, some like set and settings with certain hybrids where you're trying to figure if it's indica dom or sativa dom and, and your mood too. Yeah. Your mood, where you're at in the day, like all that stuff affects how the cannabis is going to ultimately affect you. Um, but also to your ECS, your endocannabinoid system, your yes. biology, uh, will react differently to cannabis than mine will Dean, right? Like we're not the same person. Uh, so like, that's just worth, worth mentioning that, you know, these, you know, these effects we're talking about, I'm talking based on my experience and kind of the general, uh, idea. Yeah. I, uh, I learned so much about that last week, uh, with my, uh, uh, my guest and, uh, it was so interesting and epigenetic performance coach where we talked about the endocannabinoid system and how Amazing. your DNA plays a role in your cannabis and my DNA plays a role in my cannabis. And it was so, um, just eye opening, and, you know, my brain was exploding from knowledge. So nice. it is definitely that. Okay. The three W's now who, what, and when is this good for in your opinion? So I think uh, this is good for intermediate smokers enough. Uh, I, I'm not sure a, a beginner should jump right into a, kind of a higher t THC sativa. Yeah, this is like, you know, if, if we're looking at 0 to 10 as kind of that beginner level, this is approaching level 3 here at 18.3. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Dino. Um, yeah, so just, yeah, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't jump right into the 2D. Uh, this is you know, almost like a 2.5-er. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I think too, it's, it's also good for, for anyone looking for, you know, like a, a pick me up. Uh, if you're kind of feeling a little down, even like that's who it would be good for is some, smoke. Some of this it put, it puts a smile on my face. Uh, and maybe gets you a little bit active too, right? Yeah. Doing something, get out and get some fresh air or something. Yes. Which leads to the what Dean, uh, go. definitely good for outdoor activities, hiking, sports, uh, being social with your pals. Uh, but it's also good for, for getting your chill on too. Um, I had one of these joints uh, in kind of mid-evening. I found it was awesome. I put some Netflix on. I've been watching um, 
inside the world's toughest prisons. Wow. <laughs> it, it, very interesting to watch. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I felt like the Tutti Frutti was a good strain because, um, you know, my mind was still in it. I was still active. It wasn't yeah. just kind of like a, you know, a, a goofy comedy. It was, it, there's some thought provokingness to it, uh, but uh, it worked out really well. I know what I'm going to watch. Last week tonight with John Oliver, because the guy is funny as hell and he gives you really important things to think about in terms of the world. And it's so amazing. I, I watched this season. I started at the beginning when there was people in the audience and everybody's happy. And just to see the change in the episode to episode where they're like, people, people, no people, really, really sad. Okay, we're going to pick up. And to see him trying to do the show with no audience is yeah. amazing. But that's a show that makes you laugh and makes you think perfect for tutti frutti i think yeah man i i think you nailed it with yeah. that that's great i can't wait to do that later <laughs> on okay and when uh i think when it's uh, it's great for first thing to start your day it's an awesome wake and bake strain i think uh start your day on the right kind of foot uh i don't think it's good for you know uh, like 9 p.m and yeah, on that's kind of the cutoff i, was I think like um it depends i guess when you're going to be going to bed but uh uh, it's just not a great strain for, you know, right before bed, a nightcap. I think you'll keep your uh, mind in racing. In our family, we call them bingo balls where your thoughts just won't stop. They're just huh. popping around in your mind yeah. like bingo balls. So <laughs> I think this would be something that would stimulate a lot of thoughts in your mind. And if you're trying to go to bed, that's not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the taste I've, uh, I've been crushing this as we've been talking, um, and, and I, I definitely get some sweetness, but there's a lot of other stuff in there. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, definitely an initial sweet and kind of fruit and berry flavor, uh, followed up with some spice, um, quite a bit of spice. <laughs> uh, it's super, super smooth. I, I found like there was no tickle in the throat at all. Um, super delightful, uh, flavor, like a kind of a, a nice berry aftertaste with to it too. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm definitely down with how the tutti frutti tastes. I love the spice hits in it. You know, I'm a big, uh, carry off lean guy. So, uh, that is, uh, it, it's actually really nice. Sweet and spicy is, uh, is a, is a great taste with the, uh, with the cannabis and you're right. It is really, really smooth. So you can grab this using click and collect. You just head to the leafly site, order what you want, uh, through Nova cannabis, Jasper Ave. Yeah. By the time you get there, Chris and his staff, you I'll guys be, have I'll already, be ready and waiting. it'll be ready. And, uh, one of the things you can, you can get cannabis. You can get accessories. I bought my uh, supernova, as I call it, my volcano vaporizer on the click and click. I reserved it. And something else you guys have that, you know, concentrates extracts getting so popular. Tell us about the honey stick nano dabber. Yeah, right. Uh, it's super cool new product. Uh, we just brought in a couple weeks ago. Um, so when, when like 510 cartridges came out with the cannabis this lits, uh, you know, there was a bunch of different 510 battery options. Uh, the honey stick was one of them. Um, it comes with a battery and an adjustable kind of power setting where you can, uh, you know, adjust the power going through to it. Um, sold really well. There was, you know, no, not a lot of returns or, you know, it was a good, good product. And just recently they released the honey stick nano dabber. And what this is, it's a full package comes with a 510 battery and the charger for it. Uh, but it also comes with, uh, the silencer they call it. And this is uh, it's a wax tank that you can add for concentrates. You screw it onto where your 510 cartridge would go and boom, you've got a portable dab rig, very reasonably priced too. Uh, it's pretty, pretty on the budget. 
and super small and convenient too. So it's a super neat product. We've been selling quite a bit of them at our store. Beautiful. Again, use click and collect, pick that up or grab some tutti frutti uh, from Colab Project. These pre-rolls are dynamite. Chris, thanks as always for coming out. Stay safe. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. is the business of cannabis a joint venture between the green generation co and the cannabis 101 podcast bringing you the latest bud biz buzz very pleased to welcome back from the Green Generation Co. Malcolm LaBelle joining us for the business of cannabis. You can find more information at www.greengencompany.com. And uh, Malcolm, we're starting out this week uh, with a question about why Canadian cannabis companies are forced, in capital letters, to lab shop their strains. Yeah, so forced in the sense that like from a competitive standpoint. So forced because there's no other way to be competitive mm-hmm. um, on the shelf. So what this is all about is it's actually sort of a, as a result of the CPG model. And, and we describe that as a consumer packaged good model that has been sort of imposed on the cannabis industry, uh, like globally, combined with the fact that in Canada, we have no um, ability to truly um, market or advertise the differentiation between different products in the cannabis space under the Cannabis Act. This is essentially what has happened is that cannabis companies are basically selling to what the consumers want. And what the consumers want is the highest THC products percentage that they can get their hands on from the retail stores. Now, this is essentially we're creating what kind of like a gaming the system um, situation. And and there's no illegality in here in any way. It's fine. But when what we're talking about is that cannabis is a plant and um, it doesn't necessarily have a consistent level of THC, even within a single plant. Um, are you able to get a consistent testing from a lab that tells you what the THC content is? So this is what we mean by lab shopping is that um, the cannabis um, companies are um, taking their sample products, which they have to get tested. That's a requirement by Health Canada. They have to get them tested for a number of things. Uh, Cannabinoids, which obviously is THC and CBD and all the other ones, which um, are there, but nobody really cares about them other than the THC and the CBD a little bit. Um, they're also allowed to, you know, be tested for terpenes and other factors. They have to be tested for microbial content. So if they're contaminated in any way, they can't go on the shelf at all. So it's like the, the whole prop, uh, shipment and batch that they came from is like garbage, essentially. Um, if it has any microbial content beyond that threshold, um, and they, some, they get tested for heavy metals, but the cannabinoid testing is, um, the way that it, it works is that, you're given your lab result based on the sample that's sent off to the lab, which is only like eight grams. It's a very small, tiny amount based on the, compared to the rest of the batch that was grown that would go into a package and distributed to store shelves across the country. So the, the cannabis companies, and this is, this is like a well-known, not well-kept secret, are sending their lab, their batch samples to multiple labs 
to to essentially get the highest to see which one comes back with the highest THC percentage for the same batch. And it's literally a result that is by no means anyone's, you know, no one's trying to do anything illegal. It's all about the fact that the CPG model is forcing people to have to put a percentage on a jar, but the percentage doesn't mean anything. There is a huge variance in within a single plant or a batch that is very hard to control for consistency on the growing side. Yeah, there is. Uh, it's 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 almost like they're trying to fit every plant into one category. When, as you mentioned, even within a plant, uh, your THC levels can be drastically uh, different. And then, you know, th- there's lots of reports, unfortunately, of people taking their cannabis and and buying and, and getting it tested themselves. And and there is uh, there are differences in that. Um, you know, what is what would be your solution with this? Well, scrap the CPG model for one. I mean, they're basically imposing this a, a concept, which is, you know, what's in a box? A CPG is a packaged good, and it's a pharmacological th- um, design that's been applied to a, a plant model. And pharmacological things that you buy in a drugstore that are, you know, like a Tylenol bottle, for example, has the ingredients and the percentage of the ingredients listed on the package, because those are the laws around what you have to disclose is inside something that goes in your body. And that's the framework that was decided. But in doing so, they're effectively forcing the companies to game the system. And there has been examples, more than one that we've already seen, where individuals are, or maybe class action is what they're trying to do, suing cannabis companies over this because they call it false advertising and, and false claims made on a label. But it's like, you can't, there's no way to make that kind of claim on this kind of label that's going to be accurate. There's the, there's the, the, the structures around labeling in Canada are very strict and the, the ap- application of the CPG model in the space, as well as the fact that you can't advertise and market. So either has to give. So we need to release, release, uh, reduce, sorry, the advertising and marketing restrictions so that companies c- can, can talk about the great products that they're making, the terpene profiles, the benefits or the p- supposed benefits um, that can come from using their products, but because they can't do any of that right now, and it's re- resorting to what's on the label, which is the, on the package, there's just going to be these kinds of things that are going forward, so that companies can to make money because they have the highest or the best of that label thing. Yeah, um, you know, I, you don't even want to get me started on people buying cannabis strictly based on THC because. I know that's what the market wants right now. And, you know, this this all will change in time. But, you know, right now, cannabis companies are promoting high THC, high THC, because people are coming into stores asking about THC. And, you know, that's the cannabinoid that that people are focused on when there's so many more that we're going to learn about. Uh, you know, I, I, I really implore cannabis companies, LPs, on your websites, list the terpene profile. You know, it, it, people aren't going to be able to learn about the information if it's not there. So there is so much more uh, that we will. And listen, I'm I'm obvious to the fact that we're two years in here and, and you know, you don't. 
you don't uh, at two days old start walking. So there is a, a natural evolution of things. But I think that's the next one that we should be or cannabis companies should be focusing on is not just uh, the THC. But, you know, that is a discussion that we should have for another day because it needs to be a, a longer discussion. So sure. let's, move, let's move on to change makers and uh, tell me about Nature Mary and the science of hemp and your skin. Yeah, so this is actually a great uh, sort of actually counter argument to the whole uh, CPG thing with terpenes. So Nature Mary is a is a is a hemp based uh, topical or skin cosmetic company um, that's using hemp based terpenes is literally what it says on their package. Um, that is, uh, they're using the natural elements of the plant to make these wonderful, um, you know, skincare products. And I, I met this uh, the founder of this company, a lovely woman named Sonia, here in Calgary. And um, we met at an Elementa event, which is actually a women's group in the CBD cannabis space. They're North America wide. They're all about finding the tribe of women that are, you know, cannabis users or believers. Um, so there's no stigma there, but they're trying, they're growing very, very uh, big. So it's, it's amazing. So this company, she has a background in biology and a second generation immigration story from India, uh, I believe is the country. And they're, they, she sort of figured out how to use cannabis and CBD on herself to treat her own uh, personal um, health issues, including fertility, infertility and anxiety, depression, and for her family members. And she was just at this event talking about this, like just with the group. Um, and she had created a formulation um, understanding that uh, CBD and, 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 and cannabinoids and terpenes could really help with these things. And she's, a, you know, a kind of a chemist biologist. And she was, she figured it out in her kitchen, how to make these really great uh, blends of cosmetic uh, products. That is so awesome. I, I love just the, um, you know, the initiative from her to take this on uh, as a as a biologist, having that background, there'd be, you know, a natural interest and then, you know, having the the, the brains behind it to explore all of this. And, and if you want to explore more, check it out at www.naturemary.com. Uh, so so where has she taken this and, and you know, where can uh, you know, where can people expect to see this as they go? Um, I think, I mean, they're an online business that's just been growing online. I mean, they're based in Calgary. They're making everything here, fulfilling everything out of here, um, which is great. They're sort of growing organically, um, which is awesome. I don't know what their plan is, if they at all plan to go into retail. I've kind of suggested them not because I think that their product is amazing and it's a very good referral product. It's the kind of thing where you sort of have to recommend to someone what to try because they've got a couple of different formulations and things. But they're they're doing it they're growing steadily it's a family-run business and you just check out their website they've got you know promotions all the time like 15 15% off your first order and topicals and cosmetics is a huge margin business like this is the kind of thing where you don't need a lot of the the, the extracts to really you know to them to the dollars per jar that you make and this is the direction that the, in, the industry is going in so just check out their website naturemary.com and you'll find all their great stuff my personal personal favorite um is the uh, uh the neck and face um oil which has a fantastic fragrance profile based on the terpenes of mango and tea tree so that those are my favorites and because she uses the names of the terpenes that are in the actual like plants and fruits like not the cannabis um, it makes it a lot easier for the buyer to sort of know what their smell is going to, what it's going to smell like when they get it. It doesn't smell like cannabis. It smells like fruit. 
Hmm, this is really cool. I think I think topicals. You know, there there's been a ton of focus on you know the the evolution of you know flower capsules to edibles, uh, drinks, uh, vapes, uh, and all this stuff. But you know, I, I think while that is a, a huge marketplace, I think it's been a little bit ignored uh, among all the the hype about legalization. Uh, and and you know, this is something that's not new. So. I think topicals, uh, you know, the, you know, they could be that horse in the race that comes from the back and soars ahead of everybody when it comes to the market. Definitely, I agree. My, I'm betting on that horse for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, let's talk about what it means to be green and tell me why cannabis. Uh, give me this salad analogy that you have. Yeah. So this is. Um... This is an analogy that I use to explain the difference between like full spectrum cannabis or using the whole plant, like smoking, you know, flour, uh, compared to using a pro a product that only has a distillate or an isolate in it. And a distillate or an isolate is an extracted form where the just basically just the THC has been distilled out of it to be put into like an edible. So the the concept of you know like don't you know of eating your vegetables as opposed to drinking your vegetables is where this kind of concept came from. But what I'm what I've tried to do is illustrate this so that you can understand how much value is in using the entire plant and bringing the entire plant into your body, or especially with the whole like smoking, vaping, as opposed to just taking like an edible. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it this way. So cannabinoids, so the THC, the CBD, they're like the vegetables, the raw ingredients in the salad. THC is like the lettuce of the salad, the kale, the spinach, the green, the greenest parts of the salad are the, is the THC. It has the highest, you know, sort of amount of folate and green things that are good for you. CBD mm -hmm. is like the tomato. So, you know, little bits of tomato is good for the CBD. And CBN is another cannabinoid like the cucumber. So they're in smaller percentages proportionally to the size of your entire salad. Now, if you take your terpenes, those are those, uh, you know, we talked about them already. But the terpenes being the flavor profiles, the aromatics, they're actually really enhancers if you look at the, the what's happening now with the research, they're enhancing what the cannabinoids can do and, and actually change how they interact with your body. Um, and so in a salad analogy, the terpenes are like the salad dressing. So eaten with the salad, like the lettuce and the vegetables, the overall experience of eating a salad is far superior with dressing on it. Tastes better. It makes you want to eat the whole bowl or whatever you're eating it on than just eating the lettuce or the spinach or the kale. Now, that's the salad part of it. and then. You can extrapolate that even going beyond and thinking about applying heat to vegetables and cooking methods. So thinking is the heat on the salad being like smoking or vaping on your vegetables is like making yourself a vegetable stew. So the overall effects of the cannabis on your body is literally the difference between eating a raw lettuce um, compared to eating with sorry a salad with a cooked vegetable stew. And if you think about a warm stew, it's like really filling and you know fills you up. And the effects of eating those all the salad or the vegetables is different because you've added the heat um, and temperature to it. So this is what's happening in your body um, is that your the effect of the of your endocannabinoid system meeting up with the, how those molecules are being entered in your body, either the raw version like the THC and the CBD or the broken down versions as heat as extraction and vaping and smoking is applied is very similar to how your body processes nutritional things um, and how full you feel and, and basically your, your well-being or how, how much it's really a, a added to your overall health. 
So basically the bottom line, and, and this is why you want to think about it this way, is eating the whole plant, um, just like eating your, your whole vegetables, is much better for you than um, putting it in a bag, for example, like a bag salad, or in this case, a, a CPG plastic container, um, or in eating a, a, a processed version like um, an edible or gummy or a concentrate like that. If you think about it like a salad, the salad acts like a salad um, that's mass produced. If it's in a bag, just like CBG packaged cannabis is being mass produced. Um, the qualities and the health elements are literally being sucked out of it um, by putting it into a package. It's a, and it's being you're losing the essential nutrients and a lot of the essence, the flavor really even as well, um, because it's not you're not eating a fresh or, or organic salad with lots of varieties of veggies. And that's the picture I like to paint about the salad uh, analogy with cannabis. All right. Well, you've made me hungry and uh, I've learned a, a little bit too. And I agree with the, I agree with that. You know, Chris Ionson and I on What's That Strain try, try to make sure we drill down to people about when we talk about terpenes, not about, you know, just the taste that and smell you're going to get from them, but the impact that you might get. And, and so, of course, everybody is a little bit different, as I discussed on my last show with uh, David Krantz about our DNA and, and how it impacts uh, everything. But, you know, the, 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 the THC is not the holy grail. While it is certainly important when you're wanting to get high, uh, the terpenes can have such a different impact with the entourage effect. So, you know, it is um, it is hopefully something that evolves over time. And I, and I think it will. And I think, you know, continuing to talk and educate people about it, you know, whether that's from the bud tender or the LP or whoever, or us, that's what it needs to needs to happen. Because, you know, people aren't going to learn this stuff overnight. You know, I didn't know what a terpene was until I started this show. Yeah. And, and terpenes are one of those things where they have these really complex, long names. And I've heard a lot of people that are referring to them now as terps, like the terps mm. and the terps. And I'm like, that's great that you shorten the word. But, you know, in my mind, and as with anything, like, especially when it's a kind of a complex thing, if you can an analogize it, compare it to something that people understand from a day to day perspective, right. um, it, it sort of helps them grasp it a little bit better. So I try and do that as much as possible. And, I, and this one has come up in my a lot of places and people say, you know, that's a really good way. I did not get what this all meant uh, as a concept for a whole plant. Um, so describing it as a salad and, and how you apply those things really help people sort of visualize what it means to, to be green and what it means to be healthy. Awesome. Well, I might have to borrow that analogy from time to time to try to explain it to people because I think it is a, just a wonderful way to to let everybody know. I might substitute uh, tomatoes uh, for something else because I don't eat tomatoes, but I'll use that analogy in, in some sort of way because it is actually great at explaining it. Uh, you can find more information and how Malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. Thanks for the education and the time. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Dean. Have a great week. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. And how about this? If you head to the website www.naturemary.com and use the promo code GREENGEN, all one word, 
you will get 10% off. So right off the bat, you're going to save a few bucks and uh, treat yourself to an awesome product. Topicals are uh, big. Uh, as I mentioned, we uh, went and my wife and uh, went to a few different stores to, to find as many of the uh, the Live Relief uh, CBD uh, cream that she uses. So uh, this is a great uh, uh, offer as well. NatureMary.com. Use the promo code GREENGEN to get your 10% off. In the interest of time, uh, we're going to skip weed words of the day and cannabis characters this week. Don't worry, they'll be back next week. We'll have a lot of fun. Uh, but I do want to thank Fresh Breath for joining us on the show. It's great to hear how other people use cannabis uh, for their creativity and other things as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. Always helps to get constructive criticism. And for all your podcast needs, make sure you check out podcastalley.com. I've got a few shows there, uh, a few other sports shows, and uh, some more on the way. Big thanks to David Wiley from the OZ on This Week in Cannabis News, Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. on the business of cannabis, and of course our educator from Nova Cannabis, Jasper Av, Chris Ionson, for What's That Strain? If you'd like to be on the show as a guest, hit me up with an email, or if you'd like to advertise, uh, we can definitely help promote uh, your product. Hit me up on email, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. As we go, here's, as usual, marijuana from the artist, My Dead Dog. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs>